welcome to the latest episode of BAM Weekly. That's Boris and Matt Weekly, the show where we chat about some sports, the show where we chat about entertainment, and then we bring it all together at the end to chat some sports entertainment, aka wrestling. We are your hosts. I'm Boris, and as always, I am joined by Matt. Bonjour. How's everybody doing out there? We hope you're doing well. Happy Family Day to our Ontario listeners and happy regular ass Monday to basically everyone else. And, uh, you know, we hope you are spending time with you and yours and having fun, regardless of what your lot in life is today on February 20th, 2023. But big homie, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Hectic weekend for the professional wrestling Huge oh. event on Saturday, WWE's Elimination Chamber from Montreal. Crazy event, crazy show, even crazier after party. Had such a great time on the after party. Technical issues aside, um, I was left vamping one too many times. And it was just like, yeah, let's keep it going. Why the hell not? No, but it was a fun time. Thank you to everyone for, for listening, for watching, for joining. Well, no one joined in because of the technical glitches, but... Um, you know, we're, we're, we're working hard behind the scenes, right? And I think there was something going on on Saturday where, like, the internet in a lot of places was just not working properly. Even this morning, my friend, Matt, um, you know, you've, you've had issues with the internet. Yeah, this morning we were set to record around 9 or 10 and my internet just completely shot its drawers for a couple hours here. I think due to it being family day, lots of people on the Rogers Ignite this morning and this afternoon. Hopefully people are out doing activities right now. Uh, it is 1.30 Eastern as we record this and my internet seems to be holding up all right. So we're going to you know, proceed with caution here, try to get through this thing. Not rush through it, but you know, a, a quick informative podcast. But yeah, thank you to everyone who did show up to the after party uh we were just trying new software as you saw the presentation was uh was very different and i like it a lot we just got to work out the kinks so in the next it just you know sometimes you're the guinea pig it is what it is i still had a lot of fun uh yeah and thank you very much for the standard matt grant's production thank you very much for that homie we appreciate it and uh yeah man just uh spirits are high it was an interesting show and the new japan show was uh, very interesting as well. We're going to talk a lot about that today. New Japan Battle at the Valley. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about on both sports, both the sports side and the wrestling side. Really packed show for everyone, and uh, it's going to be a really good one today. Uh, but yeah, man. So, how are you? How's how's everything? How's your family day going, Sans family? Yeah, Sans family. It's nice. I I'm in a group chat. My mom just got an iPhone, so she's nice. officially part part of the group chat. And uh, yeah, it's adorable. My sisters uh, and my mom have been hanging out all weekend. They went to a Jan Arden concert. Classic Canadian move. Uh, yeah, so I, I I don't know. It's 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 very adorable. I'm just keeping it local. I'm gonna go out into the world as soon as we're done this podcast. Enjoy some of this nice weather. Do a little bit of groceries. Maybe grab some uh, alcoholic substances and uh, go from there, buddy. Yeah, man. It, dude, it's beautiful outside. Like, you know, it's that crisp wind yes. that's coming in. It's so freaking nice. I love it. It's like, like a refreshing the- spring yeah, day, right? That's exactly it. You can tell the times are changing right now in terms of the seasons because it just feels so good. You know, when you step outside in the bitter cold and you're just, just everything hurts. Like, it's, it's just like you hate life and everything is hurting because the cold hurts you. It's only two degrees outside, but it just feels different. It feels great. 
Yeah, it's that that rejuvenating sunshine and that that little electricity in the air. It feels like spring outside. It's really really nice. Yeah, the other day it was like minus seven, feels like minus seventeen, and I was outside in not enough clothing. I was just like, ah ah, this is the first day that winter really made me angry. It was like two or three days ago. Uh, that's how I felt on Thursday. Uh, I went to yeah, go watch Ant Man, and after the movie, went to go get some food, but. It was like a 10-minute walk from locations. Let me tell you this. That 10-minute walk felt like a 25-minute you know, hellscape. Like, it was horrible. <laughs> you know, it, it, was, it just like the, the cold just got to me, to my knees and just everything. I just hated life when I got to the restaurant. Didn't even want a beer. That's how, wow. like, I just, that's how cold I was. You shouldn't even be out in public in that state. <laughs> Jesus, Boris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. But uh, yeah, it was, it was good. Oh, man. What a. I'm just feeling so good. Like I said, just, you know, uh, made it outside for a little bit, feeling super reju rejuvenated. This week is going to be a crazy week in the office. Uh, big stuff coming uh, through this week. So I'm, I'm like, my. I am. Booked. We're gonna have to talk about NXT talk uh, in terms of when to record that one offline. Because, like, if you thought last week was busy, this week is just absolutely Oof. insane. Oh, brutal! Sorry to hear that. By luck of the draw, I'm actually off on Wednesday uh, this week, so we can make it work maybe Wednesday morning if that's at all possible for you, homie. But yeah, dude, I I can even take the bulk of the notes as long as you just watch the show. I can kind of drive the bus if we need to. We'll figure all that out for NXT as we uh you know uh, head down the road to NXT Roadblock. That's a thing. That's the thing that's happening. Hey, Braun Breaker might lose the title next week. It could be an important show next week or tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, I mean, yeah. yeah. His match with yeah. Jinder is tomorrow. It, it's tomorrow. Shit, yeah. That could be that could be a sneaky title change. We talked about that. But uh, while we're talking about how loaded your schedule was, did you catch any NBA All Star Weekend at all? I missed most of it this year, dude. I borderline forgot that it was even a thing. Uh, I was out for breakfast with my dad this morning, and. He, I, like, it was where we were. It was there was a CP24, you know, right. as every place in Toronto has CP24 on their TV, and I'm sure that's the only reason why they get any ratings whatsoever. Um, <laughs> I saw the score, and it just made me laugh. Like I burst out laughing. Like seriously, this is still a thing. Yeah, it, it, it's actually funny to watch. I, I threw like five minutes of the game on. And I, I found myself like just watching my phone instantly. Like it's not interesting to just watch. It's like watching a practice. It's like watching the the warm up before a game when people are just looking. Like nine guys on the court are just watching one man dunk, and then someone else gets the ball and he just runs up and dunks. There is no resistance, and it's just like it just makes for a weird. It's I, I don't know. The uh, who was it? Uh, Michael Malone was it? Who was the coach of the Western Conference? I guess, or uh, the coach of one of the two teams because it's not separated by conference anymore. But uh, yeah, he said it was the worst basketball game ever played. The NBA All Star Game 2023. So, exactly, and that's uh, you know actually uh, Joe Guinaldo, good old Joe, an old F Joe. He posted something about the All Star Game, and I think it was that very quote. And Jake. Uh, Alinar from Chicago, he's like, if the players don't care, if no one cares about it, why should I? And that's honestly the truth, right? That's we talked it. about this just a few weeks ago. We were talking about the NHL 
All-Star game. But here's this stat that's staggering, crazy. Like, it, it made me just gasp, audibly gasp. All right. From 1993 and 2001, the All-Star game lost nearly two-thirds of its audience, dropping from a 22.91 million viewers to 7.76 million viewers viewers last year's game was the second least watch on record with 6.28 million and i i don't assume this year's is going to be much better like yeah man oof 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 that is rough to hear but well two things one television's down across the board but i mean like the nfl is not suffering losses like that like a lot of sports aren't suffering losses like that that is a a, a precipitous fall an aggressive drop and that's obviously like something needs to be done here man yep all right to put this put to put stuff in perspective right yesterday was also the daytona 500 the great american race um it's the first race of the season. A lot of eyes are on it. Uh, their lowest rating was two years ago, and it was at 4.9 million. Okay. And there's no numbers yet for what it, what it did on uh, Sunday? No, no, it's too early for that, and they might be delayed because it is President's Day in the States. Uh, so, you know, we'll see what's going on. Um, but, yeah, no numbers just yet. Did check it out. Nothing yet. So, they average at around 8.9 million. Uh, they had 12 million mark in 18 straight years from 96 to 2013, including eight straight above the 17 million mark. Ah, huh, interesting. Yeah, see, that's what I mean. Like, uh, sports are down, and television is down across the board, but not like not uh, a precipitous fall like we've seen in, in some of these all-star games because the Daytona 500 is still the Daytona 500. I mean, you know what I mean? NASCAR itself might be less popular, but the all-star game has, has changed so much. It's almost unrecognizable to what we did enjoy 20 years ago. Also, the last time that the rating was super high for the NBA all-star game, there was this uh, young up and starter called Michael Jordan ending his career with the Wizards. Interesting. I remember that whole scenario with Vince Carter and stuff. That was yep. that was absolutely so, that was a huge deal. In 2002 and 2003, those are the only two seasons since 2000 that cracks 10 million. Star power, baby. Star power and the lack thereof is a huge problem uh, in the National Basketball Association. I feel like that's a probably well, a pretty good segue to the NHL as well because it's a huge problem there. Oh, yeah, exactly. If you take a look at ratings just in NHL in general, I believe we talked about this, or at least I thought I did or dreamt it, but I read this thing uh, where year over year TNT has dropped about 22%. That's about right. That seems about right, man. Yeah. So, yeah, so the NHL has a star power issue. What's, what's, a, what's, a, what's a league to do, my friend? Well, uh, what, the, what the league should do is be calling up every single GM and say, we'll, we'll throw you a $100,000 bonus if you make a trade involving a superstar, this, this trade deadline. They need, they need some of that NBA rub. They need some of that, oh, wow, Patrick Kane got traded, Timo Meyer got traded, blah, blah, blah. So there are some big names on the block, quote, unquote, in the National Hockey League this year. Let's talk about a couple, and we can talk about the likelihood of them actually getting traded. I think the biggest name probably on the trading block right now is Patrick Kane. 
He is one of the best hockey players ever born, arguably the best American hockey player of all time, has won three, I think, Stanley Cups with the Chicago Blackhawks, is going to the Hall of Fame. He's probably going to get traded. The word is that he will only at this moment accept a trade to the New York Rangers or the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is not going to help things because I don't know if either of those teams can afford to make that trade. Agreed. That's that's exactly it right there, right? Like, you know, uh, I understand where he's coming from. Good for him. If he's if a team's stupid enough to give you that much power, then you might as well use it, right? Wield it while you can. Yeah. Um, I just don't think he's going to get moved. Is this? I'm assuming this is contract year, right? Uh, no, I think he has. Does he have more? one left? Uh, yeah, actually, I believe he is a pending UFA. This is his final year. Yes. So he can go and sign somewhere. Maybe he'll sign with the Leafs or the Rangers for cheap. Who knows? But uh, yeah, this is this is indeed Patrick Kane's uh, expiring contract year. It was here. He is a three time Stanley Cup winner, by the, the way. The end. The official end. The last nail in the coffin of the amazing run that the Blackhawks had during the mid knots. Sure is. Sure is, buddy. Patrick Kane will will be gone off the team next year, as will Taves. I think Taves, if he's not expiring, will get traded possibly to Canada. Who knows? But yeah, uh, Kane and Taves are gone, and it's going to be a, a couple years of losing, a couple years of strife in Chicago. So Patrick Kane, <clears throat> excuse me, might be too expensive to be traded, much like Eric Carlson, defenseman for the San Jose Sharks, and I think at this point, the favorite to win the Norris Trophy. He's had a humongous bounce-back season. Yeah, he has. Um, I don't see it. That's the thing, right? I just don't see him being moved because of his price tag. The What, what really hinders the NHL a lot is that their, um, their, their entire salary cap just seems so random that you can only it's, have yeah. X amount of people making a high uh, AAV, and then it's all filler. It, like, it's a really weird situation when you really take a look at the numbers, you take a look at all the players under your roster, and you have, like, one or two guys making $8 million, and then ev- there's everyone else. Absolutely, yeah, man. It, it is, it, yeah, there's the haves and the have-nots in the NHL for that exact reason, and the cap hasn't spiked the way that, the way that it has steadily in the National Hockey League in the past because of the pandemic uh, eliminating revenues and all that stuff, right? So, yeah, there's two problems in the NHL. One, the salary cap is extremely restrictive. And if you have $85 million to play with and Eric Carlson makes $12 million, you have to basically tear down your entire team and rebuild your entire situation to fit an Eric Carlson in in the middle of the season. That's why big trades don't happen. Also, NBA trade, uh, NBA GMs, are are way more open to making a mistake, way more open to like to like making a trade and maybe losing it. Like NHL GMs do not want to be seen as losing a trade. They're very risk adverse. Other GMs in other sports aren't for lack of a better term, and I'm I'm going I'm going to the playground here, but NHL GMs are are pussies. They don't want to take risks. They don't want to be seen uh, with egg on their face. And other GMs just are doing their job. They don't care about the perception as much as NHL GMs. That's a problem. And another problem is that. You know, the salary cap is so restrictive that guys like Eric Carlson and Pat Kane, who should be traded, who would be traded in other sports, can't be traded because it's so hard for another team to work them in. 
Man, you know what's a great debate, and I would love to do some research, get some numbers on this, is they introduced the salary cap to to make it more even, blah, 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 give everyone a better chance. But I think it's actually created a bigger divide among the teams in the NHL. Maybe, man. That would be interesting to see how much parity there's truly been since 04, 05. But yeah, no, I don't know. I don't trust Gary Bettman uh, as, as a... Uh, I don't know. As a hockey fan, I don't think he has ever, ever once cared about the good of hockey. No, dude, he's definitely, he's definitely like great at making money for the thirty-two owners, and I can see why he's been that's uh, his job. untouchable and bull- bulletproof in his that's position. Yes, because that that's his only job, and he's great at that. But yes, the hockey fan has suffered for, uh, in my opinion, twenty, thirty years <laughs> since he's been here, man. Yeah, but that's anyway. the issue with all with all commissioners, right? I think the fans forget that the commissioner isn't there for us he's there for the 30 plus teams that he represents that's the thing and that's absolutely correct that's what it is and that's what it has been but yes so in that in this current nhl that we're in i would say if i'm gary bettman though my league my rules have made it that it's it's really hard to make trades i'm still sending out feelers to the gms like hey we need some activity because that really helps the league gain some buzz you know so yes i i i would be doing everything i could to see the eric carlson's traded you know if we're talking Talking about people who actually will be traded at the deadline, I do think there are some big names who will go. So Timo Meyer from the San Jose Sharks, he's a little bit more of an affordable player to acquire. He's a pending uh, unrestricted free agent, had some huge scoring moments in the playoffs. There is word that Timo Meyer might be going to the Vegas Golden Knights in the next coming uh, coming few days. That would be huge because there's a big rivalry between San Jose and Vegas. Yeah, Vegas, man, what a, what a franchise, right? I remember when everyone was so against Vegas getting any team because any time that any leagues ever experimented with Vegas, it just fails, right? But I think uh, the Golden Knights, at the very least, have proven that that's not the case. They've been, but you you get a successful. But this is the thing, right? You give them a successful team, the people are gonna go. You know, it just I just don't understand why that's so hard to 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 do. For, for you know and it's so funny that the the kelly mccrimmon is the gm of vegas he's the he's the riverboat gambler of all the gms in hockey he's the one who actually doesn't care he'll take the big risk he's actually just in it to improve his team and doesn't care about the press clippings unlike in my opinion 30 other gms in the national hockey league so i do think that's why like vegas goes out and makes these big trades every year because he's the one who's actually willing to do so so it's interesting to see how quickly Vegas and Seattle have uh, risen up the ranks, and it looks like they're both going to be playoff teams yep. this year, the Vegas Golden Knights and the Seattle Kraken. So maybe it's Seattle who takes a shot at, at a rental player like a Reimer. Seattle is a team that that could afford to take on a contract like, yes. a, like a Patrick Kane. This is exactly what we talked about, right? When Seattle came through, uh, you know, as as the new guys on the block, they didn't put that entire risk the way that uh, Vegas Golden Knights did. Ron Francis played it very, very, very safe. And we said that, you know, Francis and the Kraken, they're setting themselves up to be buyers. And that's exactly what we're seeing. I think Francis has set up the long game. And I think, I'm guessing, you know, 
Uh, if I were in Vegas, I would put all my money on the fact that I think Seattle is going to go, I'm not going to say balls deep, but at least one ball deep. <laughs> a singular ball deep. I like it. Yeah, if I'm Seattle, this is the year that you roll the dice. Why not take a shot on, you know, bringing in a rental player? Who knows how it goes? Maybe you'll convince him even to stay. But, like, if I was Seattle, I would call up Patrick Kane's agent and be like, yo, like, tell, tell Patty Kane to maybe come and teach the kids something for a couple months. You know, come and try to score some big, timely playoff goals. Yeah, yeah, give our fans something to cheer for for six months and then go sign in New York. All right, so we talked about the buyers. I think both you and I are both thinking that Vegas and Seattle are going to be buyers who are going to be the big sellers. Chicago and yes. who else? San Jose could tear tear it down big time. Theoretically, San Jose could trade their best goalie, their best defenseman, and their best forward in the at, at this deadline. I don't think they'll be able to trade the defenseman Carlson, but they can move a lot out the San Jose Sharks. Uh See, there are some teams like Montreal, like even Columbus, already have a lot of young players, so I don't know if they're moving out many veterans because there's not many veterans to move. This Gavrikov from Columbus, he's going to move. He's been uh, closely linked to the Maple Leafs, among other teams. So, yeah, he'll be one. The Arizona Coyotes feel like they've been sellers for 20 years. They will continue to sell for sure. But, yeah, keep your eye on Chicago and San Jose. Those are the big ones. Those are the king makers, as they say. Yep, exactly. I think that, uh, yeah, I think we're on the same page with that one. Uh, so the trade deadline is this upcoming week. Man, it's, it's going back to what we were talking about, though. Like, usually TSN and Sportsnet, at least here in Canada, all you're seeing is trade deadline, you know, 24-7 coverage on this day. They've been very quiet this year. Well, it's because it's been 10 straight years of disappointment, man. It's because this has gotten lame and everyone knows it. And it's been surpassed by the NBA and it's kind of been surpassed by baseball. Like it's, it, it's no longer the cool trade deadline. It once was the other sports have passed it by. Yeah. Which is weird just because the MLB is like, just, just, just crazy. And you know, we're going to start talking more about the MLB because spring training, my friend is like 10 days away from yeah. us. Patriots catchers have already, uh, gotten into their routine. Oh, so close to having so much fun because we're going to be talking trade or not trades. Uh, we're going to be talking rule changes, um, reminding everyone of the big three rule changes that are coming, but that's going to be for another episode. Also, MLS starts this weekend. Uh, oh. I'm going to let the first batch of games happen. Let's, let's, let I'll handle a, a MLS preview slash week one recap next week how does that sound matt sounds perfect man yeah 39 days including today until opening day in the major league baseball season it is march 30th 2023 i believe and we are close and yeah that sounds good about uh major league soccer homie yep it's gonna be a big one wrestlemania is in 40 days wow 40 days till mania Night two, we're going to be on that after party. Boris and I running it back after that elimination chamber party. There's going to be less technical difficulties and even more fun. I can't wait. All the fun. Capital F, capital U, <laughs> huge ass head. Yes, yes. <laughs> and period, like that band. <laughs> exactly. All right, what else do we got on the docket for sports? 
Uh, Sports-wise, I think that pretty well covers it this week because neither of us really sank our teeth deep into the NBA All-Star shenanigans. We got the trade deadline coming. We're in the dog days of winter for the sports year. Football's done. Baseball's starting up. We're still waiting for March Madness and the conference tournaments even to begin in the NCAA. So this is the ultimate dog day week. You know, we don't even have the elimination chamber to look forward anymore. It's just, it's just six months of darkness until, (laughs) until WrestleMania and the masters and all that stuff. I know that's exactly how it feels like. I do want to talk about one last thing as we talk about sports and, and all that fun stuff. And that's kind of putting a, a, a a bow on the NBA trade deadline. Cause last week we were talking about Russell Westbrook was traded to the Utah jazz. There was rumors that he was going to get bought out. Wadge is reporting that that buyout is indeed happening, and my joke turned into reality because it looks like the Clippers are picking up Russell Westbrook. Yes, Boris, a Tony Kornheiser moment. I believe you had that, (laughs) Boris. I believe you had that one. Oh, man. Uh, I just I don't see this ending in any scenario other than Kawhi Leonard murdering this man in the middle of the court and during a game six or game seven of the playoffs like he just chokes Russell Westbrook dead center court and that's a hell of a claw around your neck let me tell you that (laughs) no man he could do that he could break that man's neck in seconds and step over his body like Allen Iverson over Ty Lue like Eddie Kingston (laughs) over Jay White That's what I'm saying, man. Like, I don't I don't understand how Kawhi Leonard's going to play with Russell Westbrook. Unless Westbrook's just going to be, like, completely buy-in, completely understand that he is the third banana at best on that team and actually defer, actually defer. If he defers, he's still incredibly talented. He just takes 19 shots to LeBron's 20 every game, you know? like That's, a, that's the thing, Matt. Like... This guy is set in his ways. There's no way he's going to change his attitude now. I hope I'm wrong, but you can't teach an old dog new tricks, right? Like, he's not going to change his attitude. Remember when the Lakers signed Meta World Peace and everyone thought that was going to be a great idea? Well, 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 Meta World Peace has a title-winning shot. That was a good idea. That did work out. He did play with Kobe. So, in fact, Boris, what... The Clippers are hoping for is the best case scenario, which is Meta World Peace on the Lakers. That is actually the one time it did happen to work. <laughs> what? The one time you actually picked out the single worst example in the history of the sport. <laughs> All right, I'm done for the week. Later, guys. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the BAM podcast this week. <laughs> we no. had a great 18-month run. <laughs> oh, that's that's hilarious, brother. No, as but soon you- as I'm saying, because all I'm remembering is the years after that, right? Like, yeah. as everything was going to hell. That's the thing. So maybe if they're lucky, if they're lucky, they can get six good months out of Russell Westbrook where he buys in and, and for, for lack of a better term, just completely changes, right? Like he's, he doesn't be himself. If Russell Westbrook is the Russell Westbrook we've known and loved, again, I don't think Kawhi is going to enjoy playing with him very much. Yeah, uh, that, that ain't going to happen. Oh, no, but I, God. Great call on that one, buddy. I can't believe he went to the Clippers. It, I would. It would be so awesome to see Clippers versus Lakers, though, and Braun versus Kawhi and Russell Westbrook and Paul George. My God, what a series that would be! Even even in that play-in tournament, that'd be a lot of fun. 
Here's the thing, you know what? Let it happen to play in tournament. Uh, everyone can use the ratings bump at that point, right? Trillion percent agreed there. All right. I think it's time to chat some wrestling because we've got quite a few things to chat about wrestling. We've got Impact, we've got New Japan Pro Wrestling. We got some. Do we got ratings? Question mark. I don't. I don't have that information. But we have uh, a list. Handy. Do we have a list? Oh, we do have a list. Yes, yes. I thought you meant television ratings. I have the top 10 elimination chamber matches for you, big homie. We're going to see where last uh, weekend's show stacks up uh, in the all-time Where it uh, stacks Lorenzo's up. All right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Oh my God! It's it's a weekend. It's still the weekend, everyone. All right, <laughs> it's a holiday. Happy let's President's start, Day. Let's start with Impact Wrestling. Uh, Impact's on a roll. I'm just gonna say it again. Impact has been on a roll. Yeah, there's dumb stuff happening. Impact. Yeah, there's people who shouldn't be in the main event that are in the main event. <laughs> Bully Ray. But, but it's still been a damn good show that needs everybody's attention. Uh, it's you know they have some of the best weekly TV in terms of in ring. Uh, they've got some pretty fun up and comers like Josh Alexander, like Mike Bailey. You know, really just cementing their name in the world of professional wrestling. And Matt, you know what? How we started Impact this week? Uh, how's that, buddy? Chris Bay versus Kushida. Oh my God, that sounds incredible! That sounds like a like a fantastic wrestling match. It was really good. It was really good, and it was one of those matches that left you wanting more. Yes, it ended in a, uh, a counter to a Kimura. Kushida goes for that cheeky pin, and Kushida gets the win. But honestly, it left me wanting more. This is a match that I want to see on a pay per view. Which this match was actually a big little tease to No Surrenders. Big matches. Time Machine goes up against Bullet Club, the team of Time Machine being the Mortar City Machine Guns, and Kushida versus Bullet Club's Ace Austin, Chris Bay, and Kenta. That's going to be awesome. That is a banger of a trios contest there. Yep. Tommy Dreamer, Bully Ray, they're still going back and forth. They essentially set up a busted open live segment at this Friday's No Surrender. They're going to have a beat the clock challenge, which I think is trademarked by WWE, um, this week to determine who's going to speak first. Sure. Impact stole the Santino Morella trademark from WWE, though. Maybe if they ever did trademark beat the clock, they've let it expire or whatever. Um, very, very interesting that, uh, you know, they're still going with Tommy Dreamer and Bully Ray, though, I guess. I, I don't know. I, I do think I, I, this is a big, long point, so I'll just try to keep it very, very brief. But there there hits a point where if you're using old wrestlers, it might seem like you're getting some name value and some draw from them, but you're actually, like, hurting your brand. And, like, like to the wrestling fan, there's a great many who just see Bully Ray and Tommy Dreamer and automatically turn out. Like, they will tune out no matter what. They will not watch it. They will not give it a chance because these guys are, are from 20 years ago, arguably two generations ago of wrestling. So, yeah, I, I think though you might pull in some older fans, you are definitely losing a big chunk of fans just by using them as well. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to... Okay, I'll talk about that. You said that losing, you know, the, the older fans and stuff like that. I was looking at... Uh, some numbers in terms of ratings and demographics man wrestling is a very very old old audience right now 
Absolutely, man. And that's because no effort has been made to make stars on the biggest level in what 10, 15 years. I, you know, like, man, since like, since Brock Lesnar first left WWE in like 2004, was it? Vince McMahon has seemed very reticent to pull the trigger on new stars. If it's not Roman Reigns, who has he really gotten behind in WWE? And I think that's a huge problem. That's a, that's that's part and parcel of why that is. And it shocked me that AEW also falls into that. Their demo is a lot older than you think. Absolutely, absolutely. Because wrestling fans skew older because they wrestling as an industry has done a dog shit job of hooking the youth over the past 20 years. It's a real concern. This thing might die one day because of it. Ooh, it's going the way of baseball. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But, you know, there are still some kids who love baseball. Wrestling will still be a thing that is passed down from fathers to sons, etc. From, you know, older cousins to little cousins. That's how I got into it and stuff like that. So, I, I, I mean, I don't think I don't think wrestling will ever die, but it's hugely concerning. It's hugely concerning. Steve Macklin versus Rhino for the uh, to qualify into the four-way number one contenders match at No Surrender. I think this is Steve Macklin's time to shine. I think Steve Macklin is going to win this four-way because he obviously beat Rhino to get into this four-way. Pretty uh-huh. standard match. Nothing too crazy. All right. The match of the week in all of professional wrestling. Johnny Swinger versus Barry Horowitz. <laughs> A main event in any stadium, in any building across this great nation or the United States. Happy President's Day. Would have had eight stars if it took place in the Tokyo Dome, nine stars if it took place in Tokyo Dome North, or as we like to call it, um, where ROH has all their shows. Oh, uh, here in Canada? Yeah. Uh, the the Mattamy? <laughs> no, not the Mattamy, the other one. All right, so Johnny Swinger versus Barry Horowitz. This, okay, this is this actually is a great example of of what we were just talking about. So, Johnny Swinger has Horowitz in an abdominal stretch. That is when the Kiss Demon, yes, the Kiss yeah. Demon shows up, distracts Swinger. Horowitz reverses the hold, rolls up Swinger, and gets the win. So this is what I mean. Like, I'm not begrudging anyone. It's a bit of fun. Awesome that these men are still getting paychecks, still on TV, still living their dreams. That's great. But you're talking about 47-year-old Johnny Swinger, far and away the young rookie in this match, versus 63-year-old veteran Barry Horowitz, with the Kiss Demon coming out, Kiss is a popular band from the 1970s. The Kiss Demon was a one or two time WCW character, a deep, deep cut. Like in order to even understand this and even to under like in, in order to get something out of this at all, you must be like 35 or older you must have watched wrestling for like 10 years that's just to basically understand what's going on you know what i mean like that's like we're too much in a bubble we make it too hard 
as wrestling people, I, I shouldn't say we, like I'm in the business, but wrestlers, people who present wrestling promoters make it way too hard. It is not accessible, this wrestling stuff. It just feels impenetrable sometimes. Fucking Johnny Swinger versus Barry Horowitz with the Kiss Demon run again. Really cool, guys. Awesome. Great idea. Eddie Edwards versus Heath. Uh, PCO spooked out Edwards, which is really strange that they book two matches with the distraction ending. Heath gets the win there. Uh, Moose versus Joe Hendry was made official. Uh, what else did we see? The design. They're talking about their match with Kazarian and Yuya Uemura. Diener said that Callahan and him would face them. And this is step five of Callahan's seven deadly steps. For Callahan to join the design. Uh, James Mitchell doing spooky stuff with the Hex. Yes, the Hex. And the oh, Hex are facing the Death Dolls at No Surrender. Uh, that's going to be really cool. Yeah, the Hex uh, of NWA fame. One of the few acts that are actually worth half a shit in the NWA. So I hope they've gotten out of the NWA officially. Yep, seems like they are. All right, Masha Slamovich beat Alicia Edwards. That was a our squash match of the week. Uh, Crazy Steve and Black Taurus uh, doing another spooky promo. Uh, they said that if Trey Miguel puts the X Division title on, on the line in their upcoming match, he would then leave him alone. And it looks like we're going to get Crazy Steve versus Trey Miguel in a Monsters oh. Ball match. That's crazy. Steve's one of those guys who I, I got a little bit of time for. He's pro wrestling to me. He's like the, the good kind of cheesy, wacky pro wrestling. I like me some crazy Steve. That's a huge spot for the for the young man. Yep. All right. Santino and Dango are hanging out and it looks like we are going to get Mike Bailey versus Jonathan Gresham at No Surrender. That's going to be awesome. See, that's what I mean. Like, it's so funny. Mike Bailey versus Jonathan Gresham is a very, very interesting, intriguing match for wrestling fans. It's it's kind of weird that they had to get there with Santino Morella, you know? But whatever. I, I, I get the Santino thing, at least, because he is extremely talented, very, very funny, and he can add something to your program, despite being an older guy. He'll, yes, he's an older guy, and, and he, he can read invent himself and get a new audience to know who the hell he is right yeah this is the santino thing of all the old ass men that impact are using way too much of <laughs> santino of, of all of them is the, the one that makes the most sense rich swan versus kenny king was the main event this is probably the second best match of the night and this told a fantastic story nice, rich nice. swan is getting ready for josh alexander at no surrender kenny king feels like he should be the number one contender so rich swan is uh you know getting his training in kenny king has something to prove and this match was booked perfectly with kenny king dominating the entire match and then it was uh rich swan who kind of just squeaked just squeaked turning um the royal flush into a cradle for a surprise win Oh, interesting! Interesting bit of booking there. I would, I would think that they would have more uh, success for Rich Swan in that match. He would be more dominant. They had a, kind of the slipping on banana peel finish, but uh, whatever, that's fine. Yep. After the match, uh, Kenny King attacked Swan. He grabbed a chair. Josh, Lang Josh Alexander comes out. He goes for a super kick on King, but he misses and hits Alexander and hits uh, Swan. 
Ooh, ho, 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 ho. So what will happen next? It better not be a Candy Coexist match this Thursday. I'm, I'm just saying, but it probably <laughs> will be. Definitely. It definitely will be. Yep. So that was Impact. No Surrender is this Friday. We'll be talking about it quickly next week on BAM. Amazing. Yeah, I'm not sure we're going to have to see. You're going to have to watch that. Let me know if anything is list worthy for the uh, for the show. That's what we've been kind of doing for some of these pages working for us. But yeah, man, uh, lots lots going on. Can they coexist, though? The most played out story in all of wrestling. Yeah. Yep. All right. Shall we chat some New Japan Pro Wrestling? Yeah, dog. I think we I think we have to at least at least the big three matches. But yeah, if you've watched the whole show, you can run through it for sure. All right. Yeah, let's uh quickly run through the show. First match was Josh Alexander, Rocky Romero, Adrian Quest, and Mascara Dorada versus Kashida Kevin Knight, Volador Jr., and the DKC in an eight man tag match. Uh this was a very fun show. Um, I think that this match was the perfect show to kick things off because this match started as the Elimination Chamber was uh, in the middle of their main event. So, you know, a little filler, but something good to keep you captivated, something good to make you switch a channel if you are into these uh, into these guys. Yeah, it is a tough beat for them, like having to start this show in the middle of the WWE main event. But they put themselves in that position, so whatever. Interesting, uh, interesting eight-man tag to kick off this Battle in the Valley show. Yep. All right, Fred Rosser versus Kenta for the New Japan Pro Wrestling Strong Opening Championship. Kenta defeats Fred Rosser in a very fun match. I know a lot of people were upset by this, but I, I got to say I'm not too surprised with the fact with all of the changes happening with New Japan Strong. Uh, yeah, let's see what happens. Hopefully Fred Rosser sticks around, does stuff, but we'll see. Wouldn't surprise me to see Rosser maybe back in WWE get like a little push, a little bit of time on Raw or SmackDown and end up as kind of like an NXT uh, veteran. I think that would be a great use for him. I think Fred Rosser is quite talented. This was a good spot for him, but now with all the changes, now that he's lost his title, I don't know what's next for young Fred. I, I saw some people say like they were they were kind of upset that like it kind of wasted the long title reign of Fred Roster to just have him lose this random match to a uh, juice Robinson and a roll of quarters, I guess was the finish. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so yeah, I, 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 I can understand that if you're a Fred Roster fan, that's a tough beat. That sucks. It's just like, wow, his title reign was just for that. And I guess the answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> Motor city <laughs> machine guns, Alex Shelley and Chris Saban went up against the West coast wrecking crew of Jarrell Nelson and Royce Isaacs for the new Japan pro wrestling strong open way tag team titles. That my friend was a mouthful. Your typical ah. Motor city machine gun match. It was good. Whatever. What, what else can I say? They won. They uh, are still uh, the champs. Yes, the Motor City Mouthfuls versus the West Coast Wrecking Crew. Yeah, but Alex Shelley, Chris Saban have been a great tag team for, what, 20 years now? Awesome. I'm glad they're still doing it. Yeah. Glad they're still doing it. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, 
I thought we wouldn't see them anymore, right? Like, I thought that that was it. I thought that's all she wrote, but both of them have come back. And honestly, it's it's great to have them part of the community. Great to see them doing indie shows. They were at Destiny at the end of January. Uh, so, you know, it's great to see them just, like, still kicking ass 20 years later. Yeah, it truly is inspirational, like you said, because we thought they were done and they came back and they've been killing it since they came back, for sure. And before all right, anyone Boris- says anything... I know exactly what someone is going to message me. You just shit talk Tommy Dreamer and Bully Ray, but then you praise Motor City Machine Guns. There's a big difference. Bully Ray, Tommy Dreamer are billed as main eventers. Motor City Machine Guns know their spot on the roster. Exactly. It's the difference between being like veteran wrestlers who are still everyday full-time wrestlers who are still wrestling and doing good work in the ring versus being retired guys who have been retired for five to ten years who are taking main event spots from guys who would be better served to be getting that experience it's just like i I don't even think there's anything wrong with using bully ray but i do just think you need to know that and i don't think wrestling promoters uh take this into consideration though you are bringing in new uh, like older fans though some people will tune in to say oh yeah bully ray like i remember that name you're chasing away just as many i really believe that yeah agreed all right Let's talk about what show starts now, buddy. Show starts (laughs) now. Here we go. (laughs) Eddie Kingston versus Jay White in a loser leaves New Japan pro wrestling match. So if you like striking, if you like a a professional wrestling match to feel like a fight and a slugfest, have I got something for you? This was a battle. This was a brawl. This was a brawl. B-R-A-W-L, Boris. Also. Ian Riccoboni on point in this match. He's honestly turning into my favorite commentator in professional wrestling. Riccoboni is awesome. Uh, Matt Raywalt, the former Aiden English, pretty solid as well. He's definitely figuring it out. But yeah, Ian Riccoboni is a great, a great play-by-play man, a great professional wrestling commentator. A lot you feel of people, like you're in good hands. Yeah, a lot of people. I love Raywalt. I think he's great at at, at what he does. I think he, he he understands the moves and he understands the logic and he can speak and, and, and be funny and be critical and, you know, just play off whomever his uh, commentary partner is. But I know a lot of people don't like him because of his voice. That's weird. I, I, I think he's got a perfectly normal, uh, cromulent professional wrestling voice. His skill isn't like that he sounds unique. He definitely sounds a little vanilla in the voice, but it's fine. His knowledge, his passion, his articulation, his intelligence, that is his skill. The voice is kind of, it's unassuming, inoffensive. That's a weird, that's a weird complaint to me. Yep. All right. So, man, this is crazy. So, Bullet Club band at ringside. We saw White trying to go for the Blade Runner a couple of times. Kingston gouges his eyes. Kingston rolls to the floor uh, after taking a Blade Runner. Uh, I love the fact that White just like complaining about the eye gouges and this and that. And, you know, it's like it, 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 I love Eddie Kingston because even when he is the face, he still does those dirty, dirty moves. 
He's a street fighter. That's his character. That is who he is. You could take the boy from the streets, but you can't take the streets from the boy, Boris. No matter what, he will be a street fighter. And what you said about Jay White, it's true. Him, him complaining to the referee, the subtleties uh, of using like the ref and stuff, though he's not going to be able to swear as much in, in WWE if that's indeed where he's going. I think this guy is like picture perfect for WWE. He's textbook WWE, man. He's like suited for the wwe style and presentation yep put them digest together i'm telling you right now kingston does a spinning back fist and northern lights driver but wait somehow kicked out kingston does um a a his finisher a second time he pins jay white much to the surprise of uh, quite a few people and eddie kingston defeated jay white in a loser leaves njpw match Yes, so there was the, the finishing sequence was awesome. He like back fist, second back fist, big suplex, third back fist, and then the snow plow, the Northern Lights driver, which uh, Al Snow stole and tried to make his own back in the day. Uh, that move does not end Jay White after after the Northern Lights driver, which everyone thought was going to be the end. So Eddie Kingston laughs, picks up Jay White one more time, hits him with another back fist and pins this man. And then it was so cool and so classy as a shoot move here. Eddie Kingston got out of the ring as fast as humanly possible. He was out of the ring almost before the ref's hand hit three, literally like one, two, three, boom. This man is gone out of the ring and he goes to his knees in the middle of the rip and points to the ring. He bows to Jay White, gives him applause and basically instructs the crowd like, Pay this man your respect right now. This is the last time you're going to see him in New Japan. Yeah, I just thought it was awesome. It just as just a brilliant moment from performer to performer. And Eddie Kingston, once that bell rings, he has the freedom as a performer to do whatever he wants. Like there's not there's not a textbook, there's not a rule set. He could have sat there in that ring and been a dick like Hulk Hogan and tried to take all the attention. Or Shawn Michaels. He could have been one of those guys who tried to take the attention, and he did the exact opposite. I was just like, man, I love Eddie Kingston. What a selfless performer and man to do that. And that was the right thing to do. That's what should have been done, and he did it. So great, great performance by both guys. This was a slugfest. This was a fight. This will be on our list at the end of the year for sure. It's no lower, no lower than four and a quarter stars, four and a quarter back fists to the future out of five. Yep, and and, and a good one. And also, like talking about what Eddie Kingston did at the end of the match was huge because it did set up that closing angle perfectly. Yes, yes. So Jay White getting a lot of thank you, Jay Chance. He gets the microphone to cut the big dramatic farewell promo. He's got the mic to his lips and he's about to start talking. And what happens, Boris? Yep. Uh, he he takes out White. He the crowd is chanting, shut the fuck up. Finley David told, Finley. Yes. David yes, Finley. Sorry, yeah. yeah. David Finley's out there, beats up White. The crowd is going crazy. Finley tells him to shut the F up. Finley said he's a fourth-generation wrestler and told the trainers to get this shit out of here as he points and directs his attention to Jay White. Hilarious. So we didn't see that coming. David Finley lays out Jay White with the shillelagh and ruins his big moment. Jay White does not get a big dramatic speech. David Finley is the one who gives the big dramatic 
speech to wrap up Jay White's career. This is the best promo I've ever seen David Finley cut. Huge push for Finley. Yeah, all in all, I thought this was a humongous win. A great match with a great little closing angle. And you could go uh, David Finley and Eddie Kingston in New Japan if you want. You could push David Finley way higher than that. Try to push him into the new Jay White role. Lots you can do. Very exciting. Yeah, very, very exciting, right? And this leaves a huge gap in terms of what's next for Bullet Club. Is El Fantasma going to take the reins? Is someone else going to take the reins? Is David Finley going to take the reins? I doubt that. But so much, so many possibilities. Yes, some intrigue finally in New Japan. Yes. Oh, oh, I have a scenario for you that we'll talk about offline. And we're going to do our fantasy booker uh, as the New Japan Pro Wrestling comes to their new japan cup oh i like it i like where your head's at on that all right so yeah next up interesting match i watched a little bit of it uh i didn't actually finish it but yeah tom lawler versus homicide filthy rules so a filthy rules match is basically no dq no ropes match they take the ropes down and it's a no dq match all right so what i loved about this show and this is this is great, right? And that's a lot of people. This is a lot of people's first time watching. I think Homicide and or Filthy Tom. So the reactions on Twitter as this match was going on was hilarious. Uh, but nice. this match was really good. Had some typical Tom Lawler humor. Ian Riccoboni again when he was trying to justify shit under the ring. I just howled. <laughs> that's hilarious the the explanation for why there actually should be tables and chairs under the ring yep all right so lawler sets up a ladder in the ring he dozed off it and hit a headbutt for a very close two pin lawler drove his knee into the back of homicide uh head then chokes him out and tom lawler got the win against homicide in a no ropes no dq match amazing uh by the way, do you happen to remember what Riccoboni's uh, justification was? Why they would need extra chairs? Well, you never know if we might break twelve chairs yeah, sitting here. That, that's commentary. what he's saying. He's like, <laughs> you know, we, you know, we, we, we have tables because we need them. You know, commentary, ring announcer, blah blah blah. Um, but then he's like, just gives up, and he's like, you know what? Our wrestlers are crazy. They throw stuff there before the show starts. Amazing. There you go. That's all you need to say. Yeah. I. Oh, yeah. I planted the ladder myself. I planted. I think we're supposed to believe that as fans, especially when there's like a bag of thumbtacks. You know, right? anyway, <laughs> I don't think that we're even supposed to think that that's just there. But yes, yeah, so it's so interesting. The right guy won, I think, for sure. Right. Like the homicide should not have won this match. Filthy Tom needed it. You know what? I love it when 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 people are booked outside of the NWA. You see the results that you're supposed to see with these guys. Ah, interesting, interesting. Yes, well, homicide remember. remains. Re, yeah. <laughs> well, if you were if you were popular from 2006 to 2011, then you will win matches in the NWA. <laughs> and you drive people like Colby Carino to WWE. Ugh, well, hey, hey. We win. We'll take him. <laughs> we will take him on NXT. A sneaky, fun, almost match of the night match. Zack Sabre Jr. versus Clark oh. Connors. This was very good. Clark Connors, they gave him a lot of offense near the end, and then he makes one mistake, one mistakes, uh, and 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 he, he catches um, Sabre in an ankle lock, but he countered into an arm bar because he didn't have the ankle hard enough. 
Saber with the arm bar submits Clark Connors to retain the New Japan Pro Wrestling TV title. Really good match. Really fun match. Give Clark Connors more matches, goddammit. No doubt. No doubt. He was awesome in his uh, Forbidden Door appearance in that Fatal 4-Way match. I love me some Clark Connors. All right. Let us talk about the sub-main event. That was for the IWGP Women's Championship. Kyrie, your champion, went up against a debuting Mercedes Monet, FKA, Sasha Banks. Man, yeah, we're going to look back on February 18th, it was, right? February 18th, yeah. 2023, as one, as one of the great days in the history of professional wrestling. There were four incredible wrestling matches. There was the men's elimination chamber, the Sammy versus Roman in Montreal. There was Jay White versus Eddie Kingston, Jay White's final night in New Japan, and arguably the best match of all of them, Mercedes Monet's first match in New Japan versus Kyrie. This was awesome this was incredible i do think roman versus sammy was probably the best match of the weekend but this is number two it's number two yeah and this one had your i don't want to say this and i I, you're better with words than i am sometimes your typical stardom match there yeah typical doesn't necessarily mean wrong typical can mean the up to the standard that we have seen in stardom it lived up to the lofty expectations of the stardom fan slow build 50 50 match then in that last three that last quarter of the match anything goes both women going crazy both women uh just uh giving it their all and they're telling a fantastic story throughout that last the entire match but that last 25 percent is so special and this match was no different they have the uh they have the king's road maybe it's the queen's road maybe it's the star road like uh like mario super mario world it's the star road build of matches these stardom matches but yeah this was really great mercedes monet you can tell she gets it she comes out in hanakamura inspired gear literally and figuratively in, in a pig-headed caveman sense sasha looked incredible absolutely breathtaking in this match like she looked like a superstar and yeah, this was just, this felt like the, this should have main evented the show. This felt like the biggest deal on the show. This was not, uh, it, it was impressive. It, you know, it, it, uh, it, truly, I feel like Mercedes Monet showed why she is as she could be this valuable to new Japan. Exactly. And you know what? I was very against Monet winning. I just wanted them to keep the belt on Kyrie for as long as humanly possible. But the way that this match played out, I am not even upset with the fact that Mercedes Monet won in her debut match here to win the IWGP Women's Championship. Matt, do you want to talk about the end of the match after basically from the ref bump on? Yes, yeah, so rough bump. Uh, it was Kyrie going for the spinning back fist, the cutlass. She, uh, Sasha Banks, uh, Mercedes Monet, actually throws the referee into the way of the cutlass. This greatly angers Kyrie, who attacks Monet. Monet runs out of the ring to avoid it. Kyrie chases her uh, up the ramp and onto the stage where Monet subdues Kyrie and pulls out a table. Mercedes Monet then steps up to like a, uh, I don't know, like a big crate, attempts to suplex Kyrie off of the crate through the table. Kyrie reverses it, slips out the bottom, gets a power bomb, and power bombs Mercedes through this table, drags her back into the ring while the crowd chanting, holy shit, big moment. 
Uh, Monet goes for the insane elbow after the, the table bump, but, or no, sorry, yeah, Kyrie goes for the insane elbow on Monet. Monet gets the boots up, and this was an awesome spot. It looked like it actually might have done some damage to Kyrie. Like, if she wasn't careful, that could have dislocated an elbow or a shoulder for sure. So then they, uh, Monet locks, it goes for a frog splash, but she eats knees after the knees. So a double knee situation. Kyrie now in in control. Kyrie gets a cross face. Monet bites Kyrie. So so Mercedes Monet did play the heel in this match in terms of breaking way more rules. Uh, she threw the ref in the way and she did bite Kyrie to get out of the submission, then reversed it into her own a new finisher, which is called the Monet Maker. So I really liked how they did this. The two women were back to back the final moment of this match and they lock arms kind of like struggling. They, they roll each other into a uh, backslide position a few times. So it's like, it, it's a back to back arm class struggle. And then Mercedes Monet lifts up Kyrie into like a backpack position. And if you remember her first appearance at wrestle kingdom, she hit a DDT ish move from this position. So that is her new finisher, the Monet maker. It is like a gory bomb, a backpack thing spun into a DDT, which she hits Kyrie with. And she wins this match and she wins the new Japan, the IWGP women's heavyweight championship. Boris. Great match. Love the match. Good stuff. Oh, so good. I know we're going to be talking about this match later on, and there are a lot of questions that what is next for Kyrie? I think we know who's next for Monet, though, in the, for the IWGP women's title. Yes, we do. We're going to get into that a little bit after as we still have the main event of this show, Okada versus Tanahashi, like 12 or 13. Yeah. Another chapter in one of the greatest rivalries in the history of wrestling. Yep, exactly, and this was a nice little treat for the American crowd to get such a marquee match in the U.S. Yes, we've seen it a million times. Yes, this probably was one of the weaker matchups, but it's still Okada versus Tanahashi for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. And while, like I said, not their best match, it was still a good match. It was worthy to close the show, but I would have actually put the women's match to close the show officially. Exactly. And I like what they did here. So Okada does win clean. Spoiler alert. Not that anybody doubted that for one second. But Kazuchika Okada pins Tanahashi. And then when he's cutting his post-match promo in English and in Japanese, being cool as heck. And actually, his English was pretty good. I, I was impressed. His English has gotten much better. Um, who should come out but Sasha Banks? And she and Kazuchika Okada stand tall, talking about maybe teaming up at a, a potential crossover show, New Japan and Stardom, right? So I understand why they did that. That's That makes a lot of sense. But I think it would have hit so much harder if Mercedes would have won. Awesome match. In the main event, Mercedes is cutting a promo and Okada's music hits. And he comes out to endorse the IWGP women's champ, Mercedes. Wouldn't that have hit harder? Right. That's, that's literally what I thought. But... We still got that that cool visual, all the pictures, all the videos. Actually, my friend, she was um, uh, the photographer for the show. And oh, I'll show you her pictures. They look amazing from that night. Please, please do. Yeah, I've seen a couple of shots of S Sasha and like Superstar doesn't begin to describe 
she, Sasha looks like a million dollars incarnate. Literally, she is just yeah. And, and so there was some there were some awesome looks, awesome costumes on the show. I definitely love to see those pictures for sure. All in all, a, a, another spectacular showing for New Japan in America. Two matches that are must see, and that's not even counting Tanahashi Okada, uh, Tanahashi Okada, which every time they go out is is spectacular. Yep, exactly. Overall, very fun show and just, you know, added to an already busy night of pro wrestling. Fabulous, man. Yeah, so much on the go. We also had the Elimination Chamber on that night, so I cooked up a top 10 Elimination Chambers list for you, Boris. Sounds great, and we're going to get to that in just a second. I just want to quickly talk about uh, Mercedes Monet's next opponent, uh, and it looks like it is going to be Azumi, uh, which is, God, I can't wait for this match. Uh, We are going to get March 4th in Osaka. Uh, That's uh, when this match is likely going to happen. Amazing. Yeah, if you are familiar or if you are not familiar with Azumi, she is, yeah, she is very, very young. She was born in 2002. She's 20 years old, cruiserweight style wrestler, but is an absolutely spectacular young prospect. And she is a perfect choice for so, Sasha's first match. You could you could tell that there's been some some influence of the Sasha Banks's on a young Azumi. I don't know if, if Azumi is sitting there watching Sasha Banks tapes religiously, but honestly, it would not surprise me if she's seen a ton of Sasha's work and has uh, kind of stylized herself after her to some degree. So I need to correct myself. No, no, hold on. Take a step back, Boris. So because I love when uh, Stardom always does this, and I, sh- and I knew better. I knew better because Azumi is the high-speed title uh, champion. So March 4th, she is going to face Starlight Kid. In Osaka for the high speed title match, she's likely going to lose that match. Starlight Kid's going to likely become uh, the new high speed title champion. And then Azumi's going to go off and face Monet at a later date. They will move Azumi to Monet. Yeah. So this is why you bring in a Mercedes Monet to get some rub for your company. Right to to you know show off her work to Japanese fans and hopefully you can get some new fans and also to give the rub to your young talent right so in Azumi all these young wrestlers they're going to work with Sasha Banks with Mercedes Monet and hopefully really be benefited by it if no if no other way than in the eyes of the American uh, North American fan so it yep. makes a lot of sense exactly and you know just. With the fact that Azumi is already starting her Twitter battle uh, with Mercedes Monet, more eyes aren't going to be on Azumi, which means that more eyes are going to be on that match on March 4th, which means that more eyes are going to be on Starlight Kid, which who better than Starlight Kid to get some more attention? Because we love us some Starlight Kid here on BAM. And talk dark starlight kid. So yeah, I, I'm excited for Sasha. You know, it's going to be very cool to see how her next months and years, maybe even progress in this wrestling business. It was so cool to see CM Punk and Bailey and all these people at this show supporting Sasha Banks and others, of course. But it felt like it felt like a cool, felt like what the cool kids were doing on Saturday night at that New Japan show. If you weren't in Montreal, you were in uh, San Francisco for sure. All right, so there is going to be a big wrestling show in a few hours uh, that's going to be happening in the Tokyo Dome, and it is Keiji Muto's 
final match, his grand his grand finale, as he goes up against Tetsuya Naito from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Wonder how that's going to go, all things considered, with uh, Mudo's injuries. Um, but also on the show, we're going to get the non-title match of, of Okada versus Kaito Kiyomiya from NOAA. We talked about oh, that last yeah. week, that big setup. Another match I'm really looking forward to is another non-title match. You have Hiromu Takahashi, and he's going to be going up against uh, Amakusa from NOAA. That's going to be a great, great match. Yeah, man, definitely excited to see. Well, the last Muda thing, we've seen so many Muda bye-byes, but it is cool to see his final wrestling match of all time. And Okada versus Kiyomiya. I am so excited for that one. Do we need to talk about Yuji Nagata? Yeah, we should briefly. Yuji Nagata wins the AJPW, the All Japan Triple Crown, man. That's that's pretty shocking. And a lot of people have said that was an incredible match. Some people have put it the second best match of the year uh, under Osprey versus Omega. Man, that's crazy. Got to check that out. Honestly, I knew the I knew there was a show, and I knew Nagata was on the main event. I just never in my wildest dreams would have guessed that they give him the the triple crown. No doubt, man. Yeah, no, I did not expect that for sure. But it's very interesting, and uh, I I can't wait to see that match because Nagata has been one of my favorites for a long time. He was really, really badly screwed over by the Enochiism, by uh, the MMA influence. In pro wrestling, they threw him in MMA fights and he got obliterated because he was not a real fighter, nor should he have been expected to be one. So, yeah, Nagata got a rough go in his career. I'm excited that he's getting this big push now. Yeah, I'm seeing, is he on the card for tomorrow? Uh, he is not, because I was really hoping to see him and Jake Lee on opposite ends just because I want to see Jake Lee get that triple crown ASAP. Interesting. That would be very cool. But we'll see what happens. All right. Let's do the countdown. All right, man. So, yeah, we like to do top fives, top tens every now and then on BAM. Try, try to keep it relevant to what's happening in the world of professional wrestling. So, we saw the Elimination Chamber. <laughs> Big show from Montreal, Quebec, Canada on February 18th, 2023. So we're going to count down the top 10 elimination chamber matches. Uh, you know, shout out the great city of Montreal and shout out Eric Bischoff for making us all bear witness to this year elimination chamber. The wacky cage match with pods, WWF's response to war games, Boris. How do you feel about the elimination chamber gimmick? I like it. You know what? It's gone. It's had. We've seen its ups and its downs. Its worst match was probably when the Elimination Chamber showed up in ECW. Yeah, for sure. I think that's like that's like set in stone. The worst Elimination Chamber was December to Dismember Chamber. Boy, terrible stuff. Terrible, terrible. But yeah, no man. Um, I like the gimmick overall, right? Like, I think this year is a perfect example where you can get very good matches out of it because it's such a destructive uh, uh force it, it's such a visual too right whether it's on tv or seeing it live i have yet to see the chamber live but again we know a lot of people who were at the show um i was getting live pictures from uh, the people from slam who were there and it just just punched my mic into my face <laughs> 
Morris and it, the classic the classic Kurt Angle chair self chair shot the yeah. self mic shot. So yeah, it just look it just it's an impressive structure, and if the match is built up properly, you can get some amazing stuff out of it. And I think both the men's and the women's matches were very good this year, but the men's chamber match star making performance from Montez Ford, which we talked about all night on Saturday at the after party, which you can listen to still SNMERadio.com. Um, you can sign up and get your podcast from whatever catcher you want to listen to our thoughts. But man, what a what a gimmick. I like it. I'm a fan of it. Yeah, absolutely. They've gotten less uh, violent, less bloody in the ensuing a couple decades since they've been introduced. But yeah, since uh, Survivor Series 2002, we have had this match in the WWE. And overall, I think it's given us some uh, some interesting, some impressive moments. So let us start our countdown with match number 10, the 10th best elimination chamber of all time. We're going to 2012 for the Santino Chamber, Boris. It's Big Show versus Cody Rhodes versus Daniel Bryan versus the great Carlos versus Santino Morella versus Wade Barrett. It is uh, yeah, Elimination Chamber from 2012, February 19th. This was won by Daniel Bryan when he beat Santino Morella, coming out of the, the Royal Rumble where Santino Morella almost won it. Morella had a great run in 2012. Like, it's crazy. Like, you, you always think that he was just, he was like a comedy character, but they gave him some really important stuff to do. A uh, thousand percent, man. Yeah, and Daniel Bryan could get a good match out of anybody, obviously, but he they, they put in this work for Santino at, at this time, and I, for, for whatever reason, it really clicked. Santino had a couple moments. I think it was actually the Royal Rumble 2011, right? When he almost won versus Del Rio. And then he yes. got back. He got, this is, yes. Now, this is the Elimination Chamber 2012 when he's in here. So I, I remember there was a battle royal that he won. It's There's a vague memory in my head of Santino winning a battle royal to be in this match. But uh, yeah, quite, uh, quite the showing for the director of authority in, in TNA wrestling here. Yep. Exactly, and some of the names like Cody Rhodes, Wade Barrett. Holy crap! Yeah, going through going through this list again. That is Big Show, Cody Rhodes, Daniel Bryan, Santino Morella, Wade Barrett, and the Great Kali, or as he's known in Montreal, Le Gros Kalies, Boris. <laughs> All right. All right. So that was match. Yeah, yeah, brother. That was match number 10. So match number nine, a match we have talked about before on the podcast a couple of times. In the Bray Wyatt countdown, it came up. This is the match where Bray Wyatt wins his first world title, Elimination Chamber 2017. Your participants in this one, AJ Styles, Baron Corbin, Bray Wyatt, Dean Ambrose, John Cena, and The Miz. That is a SmackDown Elimination Chamber from February 2017. The ninth best of all time. Four stars. All right. So I've been thinking about this a lot, and I'm so happy that this match came up. I was really hoping that this match would come up because I think this was a case of, you know, a strike when the iron is hot, when the fire's hot, right? Like, I feel like there were changes made to give Bray Wyatt the title in this match. I think that might be correct. It's now, hard to say. It is. But. Let's assume that's true. Because his title run from there until WrestleMania, 
very forgettable, very forgettable, not the best, and it really felt like a transition champion. So here's where I'm getting at. I feel like if they had called the audible for Sami Zayn to win on Saturday, it would have made for a great moment. And unless, like your idea played out where he loses right away, what are they going to do for him next, right? Well, fair enough, but yeah, there are a number of options. It doesn't mean they would all be satisfying, though, or they would all work out. And this is a good this is a good example of when it's not satisfying and when it doesn't work out. Bray Wyatt's title reign, playing devil's advocate a little bit. Yeah, man, you know, it it makes a lot of sense. I can, I can, I see what you're driving at. I respectfully think that they would have pulled it off, though. I think so too. But like, come on, yeah, you gotta. Uh, yeah, it makes sense. It's a good note. Anyway, so yeah, that was match number nine. Bray Wyatt's first world title win, Elimination Chamber 2017. Four stars for that one. Match number eight, four stars for this one as well. It is the Elimination Chamber match for the World Heavyweight title from 2011. So your participants here, Big Show, again, Drew McIntyre, Edge, Kane, Rey Mysterio, and Wade Barrett. This one was a lot of fun to see Drew Mack and Wade Barrett, two young kids in this match. Edge and Rey Mysterio had some awesome interplay in this match. This is kind of a little bit of a uh, forgotten one. It's quite good. Edge wins this match, retains his world title, Elimination Chamber 2011. When was this? What date was this? Obviously Uh, this WrestleMania. Yeah, February 20th, 2011. One of Edge's last matches. I was going to say, can you imagine the pain that he was in going through an elimination chamber? Brutal. Absolutely brutal, man. I could not. I could not imagine that. Yeah, that's a great call. about things, right? Like, after the fact, hindsight, it's 2020. Holy crap. Truly, truly insane, man. And yeah, Edge and Rey Mysterio went like eight to ten minutes to close that chamber match, too, so crazy it's crazy what Edge just put himself through we kind of take him a little bit for granted now that he's back we do we 100% do it's one of those things where yeah he's back so we kind of forget about a lot of stuff how hard the road it was uh, how hard a road it was for him to get back man yeah. we we definitely take it for granted so that was match number eight from the elimination chamber 2011 Edge versus Mysterio versus Wade versus Kane versus Big Show versus Drew Mack good field there very good. Match number seven. This was the the pandemic chamber from 2021, a match for an immediate WWE universal title shot. So there's just very weird psychology. Everyone knew that Roman was just going to come out and destroy the winner, and he did. So Cesaro versus Daniel Bryan versus Jay Uso versus Kevin Owens versus King Baron Corbin versus Sami Zayn. It was cool to see Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn in the chamber together. Daniel Bryan winning a match is always good. Daniel Bryan in there start to finish is always good. So it was a very good match. It was a great match. Four stars, but A minus. Four stars only because there was just so much. It was kind of just a waste of time. Like it was a good exhibition of wrestling, but it was like, okay, so cool. They're going to go out there, have a 40 minute cage match, and then the champ's just going to come in and kill the winner. Why? And that's exactly what happened. And my question is, why? <laughs> Vincent K. McMahon, that's why. Fair enough, buddy. Fair enough. That is all we need to say. All right. Let's keep the ball rolling. Yeah, dog. All right. So we're entering a new tier, buddy. 
We're into four and a quarter stars now. These are 85%, not just A minus, but A, and would cal- would qualify for the best matches of 2023 list. It's a, a match of the year contender, basically. We're going to go to 2014's Elimination Chamber right before Daniel Bryan wins the world title at WrestleMania 30. He must contend with corporate Kane and all kinds of shit in the Elimination Chamber. So Cesaro versus Christian versus Daniel Bryan versus John Cena versus champion Randy Orton versus Sheamus. So a couple of things dawned on me while watching this match. One, Daniel Bryan's the MVP of the Elimination Chamber. He's, he's Mr. Chamber. Like Shawn Michaels was Mr. WrestleMania. Daniel Bryan is Mr. Elimination Chamber. That's that's to start. Uh, this could have been the greatest. This could have been the greatest one. It, it, Daniel Bryan didn't need to win at Elimination Chamber and blow the WrestleMania main event, but just doing another lame corporate Kane chokeslam RKO finish just really took the air out of the balloon in this match. There's a way that this match could have been the greatest, but the the ending was such shit that it kind of ruined what was a fabulous match up to that point. That honestly is the perfect way to summarize WWE from like 2007 until <laughs> 2022. <laughs> Sadly, you might be right, man. So yeah, number six, the chamber from 2014, right before Brian wins his title. That is Cesaro versus Christian versus Brian versus Cena versus Orton versus Sheamus. Great match, dog shit ending. Match number five, the first elimination chamber from 2002. Booker T versus Jericho versus HBK versus Triple H versus Kane versus Rob Van Dam. So Awesome way to introduce the the gimmick. Everyone bleeds. Jerry the King Lawler and Jim Ross do an excellent job on the call. It's treated like an important, violent match. Problems with this match, it goes way too long. Rob Van Dam injures Triple H, and I think they immediately kick Rob Van Dam out of the match like as punishment. I don't know if that was inaudible or they just booked him to have the worst elimination possible. But yeah, it seemed like... Rob Van Dam hurt Triple H and drastically hurt his career in the process in this match. And yeah, just too long. I think maybe the wrong guy won. Shawn Michaels with his weird haircut and brown pants winning this match. It's just yeah, a weird one, but still worthy of the top five. So Survivor Series 2002, the first Elimination Chamber match, a bloody war. Yeah, this is like a awkward time for Shawn Michaels because he just came back and you weren't sure whether he was like coming back full time or what. Yes, exactly. And the SummerSlam match where he does make his comeback, that completely worked me. Like I was I was like a fanboy. I was up on my couch yelling, knowing Shawn Michaels was hurt, but wondering how hurt he was. And then like just totally, totally suspension of disbelief. And then when the match ended, sitting down like, oh well. Well, I guess Shawn Michaels is, is healthy because he just had that match, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. So, very, very fun. And then this was the proof they had. Oh, yeah, well, Shawn Michaels is just back. He's just back. He's just full-time wrestler now. He's the world champion, I guess. Right? It's And it's crazy to think, right? Like, it was hell in a cell when he really effed up his back, right? And then his second major match back, Elimination Chamber. Test. The first time. <laughs> Again. Let's see how your uh, back holds up. 
Amazing, amazing. Yeah, they, they say it was the casket match, but I'm sure the Hell in the Cell match didn't help. But yeah, the the, the story is it was a it was a backdrop over the top rope onto the casket in the casket match that actually fucked his back up. Although honestly, I, my fan theory has been that Shawn Michaels never actually had a back, like a truly debilitating back injury. I think what he had was a a drug injury. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he needed four years off. But that's. Uh, that's a different podcast for a different time. So the fifth best Elimination Chamber of all time was the first one. Booker T versus Chris Jericho versus Shawn Michaels versus Triple H versus Kane versus Rob Van Dam. Excellent. The fourth best. Yeah, 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 great match. Very similar. Another four and a quarter stars. Another excellent bloody war with a terrible, disappointing ending. This is New Year's Revolution 2005. The second. Or no, sorry. The third elimination chamber match so this one is the evolution chamber boris it is batista versus orton versus triple h versus benoit versus jericho versus edge Shawn michaels is your special referee in puerto rico god this match is violent and bloody and beautiful for the first 80 percent and then it's typical triple h dramatic storytelling long bullshit that you all know you see where it's going and it just takes forever to get there the ending of this match ruins what was a fabulous wrestling match yep yeah you said it perfectly like there's nothing else for me to say except for yep yeah that's it that's it so that was new year's revolution 2005 batista versus benoit versus jericho versus edge versus triple h versus randy orton your fourth best chamber match of all time the third best uh chamber match of all time happened on february 18th 2023 boris it was austin theory versus bronson reed versus damian priest versus johnny gargano versus montez ford versus seth rollins after careful deliberation this is i think where this match lands the third best of all time the bronze medalist for elimination chamber matches montez mother fucking ford baby yeah he just ruled in this match he was so freaking good he star making performance amazing getting kudos from a lot of people including uncle h uh, I even think someone like a Johnny Gargano, who's kind of been booked very weird, more on the comedic side, they haven't seen. A lot of people don't see what we saw in Johnny Gargano throughout the years in NXT. Finally, you saw why people like why he's so damn good. Honestly, everyone in this match was great. This was this was great even for Austin Theory, right? Again, talked about it in in in, in endless breaths and cycles on Saturday night. Uh, but this was such a good freaking match the best thing you can say about it is that all six guys uh came out of it way better than they came in seth rollins has a very meaningful wrestlemania big match against the celebrity logan paul montez ford had the best performance of his career johnny gargano the best performance of his main roster career damian priest and bronson reed both looked like killers like mean monsters and austin theory defended his title bell to bell and won that fucking thing so everyone looked great in this match yep this is bronson reed was jonah right like it wasn't yes. bronson reed we saw jonah Absolutely, we did, yeah. So the third best match in the history of this Elimination Chamber gimmick was the most recent one, Elimination Chamber 2023, for the United States United States title, Boris Austin Theory versus Bronson Reed, Damian Priest, Johnny Gargano, 
Montez Ford, and of course, Seth Rollins. Match number two, the second best one of all time. We're going to 2009. This is the Edge Meme Elimination Chamber, <laughs> yes. where J John Cena is eliminated early, loses his world title. Jericho versus Edge versus Cena versus Kane versus Mike Knox versus Rey Mysterio. Also of note, this is the match where Kofi Kingston was originally in the chamber, and Edge takes him out, knocks him out with a chair, steals his spot, and eventually wins the world title. Yep. I still can't believe Mike Knox was in this match. Mike Knox in the second best Elimination Chamber match of all time. Yes, this match is awesome. Uh, this was one of the first, if not the actual first, PG Elimination Chamber because the PG switch happened in the summer of 2008. So this was February of 2009. They couldn't have as much blood as they used to. They had to really get creative with how to not only just do the moves in the match, but how to put together a, a, an interesting and compelling story. And they did. Number two of all time, No Way Out 2009. The Edge meme. Love it. All right. What is number one? What is the best Elimination Chamber according to BAM? This would, This is None of these matches are four and a half stars, which is classic. There has never been an all-time classic Elimination Chamber. If you're going to say there was one, it has to be this one. The closest the gimmick has ever come to being all-time classic was Elimination Chamber 2019. Listen to these six men in this match. AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan versus Jeff Hardy versus Kofi Kingston versus Randy Orton versus Samoa Joe. You're six for six excellent wrestlers there. Not one miss. Not one miss. If you think the miss is Randy Orton, unsubscribe and never listen to another word I say. I don't want you as a fan. That's a lie. Still listen, but you're wrong about Randy Orton. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, Styles, Brian, Hardy, Kofi, Orton, Samoa Joe. This is Kofi's rise to the main event. Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston closed this thing out for like 10 minutes. It's spectacular. The only thing keeping this from being all-time classic is the Brian-Kofi thing goes a little too long. Yep, I they do that. lose the crowd. They do lose the crowd just a little bit. And it's just enough to keep this from being all-time classic. But it's the best one. It's the best chamber. And I don't think it's much of an argument. Go back and watch them all. This is the best Elimination Chamber match. 2019, Styles, Brian, Jeff Hardy, Kofi Kingston, Randy Orton, and Samoa Joseph. Yep, that's a great call. Uh, I would uh, agree 100%. This is for sure the one that I would put number one or two. Glad that it is number one. Matt, as always, thank you for compiling the list here on BAM. Yeah, brother, it's a lot of fun to go back, watch some of these matches, catalog some of this stuff. I love doing it. Yeah, I think we're going to try to do some Iron Man matches coming up for uh, Revolution. Awesome. Can't wait for that. All right, so I think it's time for us to call it a week. I think, uh, you know, again, so, so much happened in the world of sports, entertainment, and wrestling. So much for us to chat about next week. Again, we're going to have a busy, busy week as we're going to be running through results of Impact Wrestling's No Surrender and their TV. We're going to likely be talking about Keiji Muda's last match. Uh, we might have a list or two. We'll find more to talk about. 
um, some New Japan Cup brackets, and um, we might uh, fantasy book some stuff there. In terms of sports, we've got the MLS. We'll talk about what's happened with the NHL trade deadline. We might start digging a little bit into baseball. We'll see how that goes, but we have so much to go. Remember, leave it locked here on SNME Radio, where every single day you get at least one wrestling show and typically a pop culture show here and there uh, you get shows like tuesday morning cooked nxt talk all elite weekly the smack daddies rampage ramble and so much more that's snmeradio.com for everything and if you want to be part of the family please go to patreon.com slash radio matt any final words? I think that covers it, uh, brother. Happy President's Day, happy Family Day, or happy regular ass Monday to you, depending on where you are in the world. Thank you very much for listening. Keep it locked here for more sports, entertainment, fun. Maybe even one day we'll do the love guru gimmick, although I think we both kind of want to put that off until people forget about it. I think that's our plan right now. That is the working plan. You could have gone the entire episode up. Bring it up. <laughs> But you had to bring it up. Uh, 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 well, we'll get to it eventually. Wait, uh, maybe sometime in 2027. He's Matt. I'm Boris. Until next time, stay tranquilo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that worked out.